CSN International presents to every man an answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Thursday's edition of To Every Man and Answers. We get together every weekday afternoon at this time, answering questions about the Bible from the Bible, looking at current events through a biblical perspective, and also what we hear in churches, and even in the Bible at all. So if you've got a question, you'd like to give us a call, that number to call again, 8888-ASK-CSN. we got some open lines right now. You're sure to get on if you call. Again, 8888-ASK-CSN. Joining me today, Rick Randall from from uh, Orange County, Calvary Chapel. Is that right? Yeah, John Randall, actually, from Calvary, oh, South John. OC, located in San Clemente, California. <laughs> well, good. I'm so glad you're with us and looking forward to answering some questions with you. And and uh, always a blessing to uh, have you with us, John. And, and just want to say thanks. I don't know why I was thinking, Rick. I don't know. That's all right. I, probably yeah, I probably some, some football star. <laughs> don't you get mixed up with him? No, not not John Randall is another football star, but but no, no, I never nobody ever confuses me. But that's all right. I, I go by many names, but I'll answer to whatever you call me. Today. Okay, well, John, I'm I'm glad you're with us today. I'm with you. Uh, uh, having a, having a Monday on a Thursday here, so just not, <laughs> not to worry. But um, anyway, tell us what's going on at church. Well, we just recently moved to a new facility here in San Clemente for the last 15 years. We were in San Juan Capistrano, California, where the swallows come home, they say. And we moved from there to a brand new facility in May. And so we're just so excited to be here in this community and to see all the great things that God's doing. And uh, so it's been, a, it's been a lot of fun and a lot of work, too. But definitely yeah. worth it. What are you teaching on Sunday morning? Well, Sunday mornings, we're currently in the book of Romans. And then on Wednesday nights, we are in the Old Testament in the book of Exodus. Wow, that's fun. So always good to know God's word. Funny, Jesus said, we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Yet, I'm always amazed how many churches won't teach God's word. Shocking. (laughs) Always amazes me. And then we wonder why we make bad decisions in life uh, when we don't know God's word. So again, um, thy word is a lamp unto my feet a light into my path. And if we don't know God's word, we're going to be stumbling in the darkness. So that's, true. Uh, that's the way it goes. 8888 ask CSN is the number to call if you want to be part of the program today. And with that, we'll go ahead and go to the phones. We have Roger on the line, Palm Springs. Hi and welcome. Yes. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, I'm in Victorville. But anyway, so um, uh, before I get to the question, do you need, you got a lot of weight on your shoulders, uh, Pastor Mike, and I don't know how you do it. <laughs> but anyway, do you need specific prayer? For, for instance, maybe, you know, is your wife depressed? Is your body giving you grief? Uh, is your dog sick? Maybe your your daughter is having a problem. Any specific uh, prayer for you that we can, uh, the body of Christ can do for you? Well, of course, I can always use prayer. And uh, uh, I, I just really appreciate all those that, that um, share in that. Uh, of course, as you get older, you always have issues. So just pray for my health and uh, look forward to, uh, you know, 
joining everyone soon together in the rapture, or if I get there before you do, I'll be there part of your welcoming committee. So I uh, always want to be about our daddy's business, but thank you so much for asking. And again, we just encourage you all of you to pray for CSN, the safety of it, dangers uh, uh, that are out there. We just pray that the Lord comes against those in Jesus name. And so, so important. And again, I just want to take this time to say thank you to all of you that support CSN, pray for CSN, make it part of your uh, monthly contributions. Thank you so much because without you, we could never do it. This is something we can't do in ourselves. Our, our monthly tower rent, that does not count wages. That does not count, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, your insurances, all that kind of stuff is a quarter million dollars a month is just to cover renting space on top of these mountains on these towers is a quarter million dollars a month. That's for a little over 500 stations. But again, when you figure out we reach about one third of America's population, or at least we can, if they'll tune in, um, pretty neat, really, when you stop to think about the miracles that God has done through all of us, uh, and again, so thank you so much, Roger, for asking. Such an important part of our Christianity is to spread the gospel. How can we help? Yeah, so tower keepers and preborn, those are pretty critical. But anyway, we've got to keep your boat afloat by God's grace. So anyway, my question is, when Jesus was speaking to one of his apostles, the ones that actually seen Christ, and, and he says, um, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, the Old Testament, New Testament, um, ask what you will, ask what you wish, and it'll be given to you. He doesn't say granted or I'll give you the ability. He's going to give it. Of course, we don't, we're like the book of James. We don't do it on our lusts and all that. We walk by the spirit and by faith. And, um, but anyway, are we allowed, is it wrong biblically to, to pray that the doctor that's fixing to torture and mur- murder this baby, um, uh, you know, a, a little citizen of ours, um, that can't speak. He doesn't have any nutrition we had, um, to knock him to the floor, not kill him. Just maybe a awake, spiritual awakening. Maybe a, a God will grant him repentance. And or can we have um, the Lord disconnect the, the nerves on the baby so he doesn't feel the torture? Well, you know, this is part, I believe, of being in a fallen world. And because we're in this fallen world, we see many, many injustices. And there was injustices at Jesus's time. There was injustices uh, down through the history of ages. Uh, well, this is just another one of them. And no, I don't think it's wrong to pray for doctors to repent. Um, I really believe that, again, uh, if America would wake up, I'm, I'm really quite shocked at the last election here we had a couple of days ago that um, people vote for tyranny. They vote to have their freedoms taken away. I am amazed by that because you realize that there are consequences for voting and people are not learning when you have the inflation rates that we have, when you have the open borders that we have, our, our country is dying and they still vote the same idealisms in that is the very thing that's killing our nation. People say, well, do you vote? Do you, do you? Fear any political candidate. And at this point, I can say honestly, no. But I do fear a populace that is so uninformed concerning what God will bless in a nation and what God will curse in a nation. 
I don't believe we will continue on as a nation much longer. Now you say, well, what do you mean by that? I believe that the current people in power are so willing to turn the sovereignty of the United States over to a globalist world uh, 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 power. Uh, it is shocking to me how how really our own sovereignty means nothing to them. They're socialists. They're communists. And they are looking for a world dictator. They're looking for the Antichrist. And so because of that, to go back to answer your question, I believe we're going to see not only what you're talking about, but many, many more atrocities uh, as we lead up, I believe, to the Lord taking the church home. John, your thoughts. Well, I, I was thinking about uh, in the book of James, chapter 5, where James exhorts us and encourages us when he says that it's the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man that avails much. And he said that Elijah was a man of with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it didn't rain in the land for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced fruit. I think it is important for us to pray, to intercede, especially— Amen. Uh, as it relates to these things that you mentioned, Roger, and um, it's the fervent prayer, the effective prayer of a righteous man that avails much. Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. So we need to ask. We need to petition heaven. And I believe that God answers prayer. He doesn't always answer the way we had hoped, but he does answer in his own perfect will and perfect time. So we need to continue to be steadfast in prayer. So I, I hope that answers it for you, Roger. Yes, we need to continue to pray, uh, to be about our daddy's business to not be swayed by the events of our world today, but really to keep on keeping on doing what God says. But as Jesus said, he said, redeeming the time, the days are evil. Mm. Now, what does that mean? Redemption means to take something that really would have no value and make it valuable. I, I use the illustration many years ago when I was growing up. They, uh, You'd go buy stuff at the supermarket and they'd give you green stamps or blue chip stamps. And you would then stick them in a book. And really, they were worthless until you took them to a redemption center. There you could get sheets for your bed, soldering irons, you name it. It was there, depending on what you bought, depending on how many books it took uh, of uh, at this redemption center. So you take something that's seemingly worthless, a book full of stamps, and you take it down to a place that redeems it and gives you things for it. You look at your time. We have a lot of time on our hands. We have a lot of wasted time on our hands. Redeeming the time, the days are evil. We're not always going to be able to do what we do today. The people you want to minister to may not always be here, or you may not always be here via the rapture or the Lord calls you home. So redeeming the time, the days are evil. And this is one of the things that Jesus said, because the days are evil. I believe again, Redeeming that time, so important in the big scheme of things, looking at the eternal reward. Hope that helps, Roger. Thank you for your time, gentlemen, men of God, and God is good, and we'll see you after the rapture. Amen. Stay uh, stay on the line. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs I think you'll really enjoy. God of Wonders, Evolution versus God, Time to Grow, and a little book called 101 Last Days Prophecies. Thanks, Roger, for the call. Let's go to Jim, Sparks, Nevada. Hi, welcome. Up by Reno. Hi, how are you, uh, Pastor? Good. How may we help? Well, I tried to call in on Tuesday. I didn't get through, so you guys said at the end of the show to call back. So here I am. Um, 
My 82-year-old mother-in-law has been asking a lot of questions about the uh, Trinity and about uh, Jesus and being saved. Uh, she's got a lot of Mormon background, although she isn't Mormon, and so it's kind of confusing her understanding of things. And I was wondering if you could tell me uh, or send me some literature that would explain things better so we can get her taken care of and get her saved. I mean, we're kind of worried about her if she's getting older. Yes, I'll send you a couple of books. Uh, does the Book of Mormon teach Mormonism? Does the uh, Bible teach Mormonism? And a little book called Ask Your Bishop. And uh, here's the problem that we find primarily with Mormonism. Mormons use the same terminology as Christians do. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Redemption, Baptism, all these same words. And upon casually talking to somebody, you think, oh, well, they believe just like I do, and that's what they want you to believe. However, when you break down these terms, you find a completely different definition. When you talk to a Mormon and they talk about God, or they're going to pray and they say, Father in heaven, their Father in heaven, their Father, their God of this world, is Adam who fell in the garden after eating of the fruit. That's right completely different. Through Mormonism, if you keep all the rules, commandments, statutes, baptized in the temple, sealed, and all these kinds of things, you will progress then on to be your own God of your own universe. One of many. There's a lot of them out there. But this isn't what the Bible teaches. The Bible says in Isaiah 44, there's only one God in him alone. So when you begin to really understand their idealisms, when you find that their idea of baptism, for instance, for the dead, well, it's in the Bible, they'll say. Is it in the Bible? Well, yeah, it is. Paul writes and says, since you don't really believe in life after death, why are you baptizing for the dead? He doesn't say you should be. He says, why are you doing it? And I would say the same thing. Why are you doing it? Now, the Book of Mormon, on the other hand, is an interesting book because it really reflects none of the things that Mormons believe. In other words, you're going to be a guide yourself someday, not in the Book of Mormon. Satan and Jesus are brothers, which all Mormons are taught, not in the Book of Mormon. That you, through progression, can be a guide yourself someday and rule over your own planet, not in the Book of Mormon. In fact, most of what you find in the Mormon church is not founded in the Book of Mormon, yet when they come to your door, they'll ask you a question, have you heard another gospel? Well, Paul warned about people preaching another gospel. And see, the thing is, Jesus Christ in him crucified. You see, when we begin to get into all these other ideas, these other, so to speak, inspired volumes of Scripture, depending on which religion you pick, depends on which volumes of inspired, rewritten Scripture you get. But the problem is the Bible alone is what we need. Jesus, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son. So when you talk to a Mormon, they believe Satan and Jesus are brothers. And this is wrong, because Jesus was God. Go to Matthew chapter 1. He shall be called Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. John, your thoughts? Well, I was just thinking, Mike, in light of uh, our last caller, just wanting to share the gospel with um, his grandmother, I, I would encourage you that, you know, it, 
in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And what I would encourage you to do is to share the gospel in its simplicity. If you can believe that Jesus, that first of all, that you're a sinner and we all are. And secondly, if you can believe that Jesus died on a cross and that Jesus rose again from the dead and that his work on our behalf was sufficient for your salvation, friend, you can be saved. And I would try to bring your grandmother to that point of understanding the simplicity of the gospel, who Jesus is and what Jesus has done so that she might be saved. And and that'll be our prayer for you. Yes. And and again, you don't always have to address a person's past in their belief system. Uh, Jesus came in contact while he was on this earth with many people who uh, had a lot of very strange ideas concerning uh, and being in the Jewish faith. Uh, They would oftentimes say to Jesus, our father Abraham taught. Not what I believe about God, but what we inherited uh, through our tribe or uh, a being were Jewish. You don't always have to address that. You can cut right to the chase and just go to John 3.16 and explain to her, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him, the word believe there means put all your faith, hope, and trust in, will not perish but have everlasting life. Now, when somebody's 82, I believe one of the things that confronts everybody, at least if you think, probably not so much when you're in your 30s, but when you're in your 80s, the thought of dying can really scare you. I remember listening to George Carlin. George Carlin was not a believer. George Carlin said, man, when it comes my time to die, I want them to put every tube, every pipe, every fibrillator they've got in me to keep me alive. Well, I can understand that because if you don't believe in life after death or if there's a judgment after death, you better stay alive as long as you can because death is all it's separating you from an eternal torment in hell for unrepented sin. But when we come to Christ, the Bible says old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And the Bible says he writes his name in our in his book of life and we spend eternity with him. Not because we're good. And I think this is what you need to explain to her, but because Jesus Christ is good. And as Paul says, we put on his righteousness like you would put on a winter coat. You wrap that around you. Not your righteousness, but Christ's righteousness. You wrap around you and that's what makes you holy. And that's what we have to remind her. It's not by works of righteousness, lest any man boast. Yet most all the cults, and Mormons included, are works-based salvation. Go out, knock on doors, give 10% of your money, uh, uh, married in the temple, all these different things, Mormon undergarments, all these things. No, none of that makes any difference to God. The only thing that makes to God a difference is his blood of his son, Jesus Christ, on our sins. That's what makes the difference. It's not by works of righteousness, lest any man would boast. That's talking about, look how good I am. I'm better than you. Look what I did. Well, God doesn't care about that. It ain't what you did. It's what Jesus did for you. And that really is the true gospel, Jim. And so I would just encourage you to... Just go with her over the basics of salvation, the Roman road, of course, John 3.16, and just just in simplicity, present the gospel to her that, honey, Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for you. He wants to take you to heaven forever to be with him. But we don't go to heaven because we're good. We go to heaven because Jesus is good. And if you'll put your faith 
and trust and hope in him. And whatever time you have left on this earth, whether it be a day or another 10 years or 20 years, hey, I'm going to live it for Jesus. Then offer to pray with her and say, would you like to pray and ask Christ into your life? And if she says, I would like that, then just pray a sinner's prayer with her. And, you know, uh, again, just uh, again, if she believes that Jesus Christ died on the cross for her sins, rose from the dead to give her life eternal, so important. Hope that helps. Yeah, I, oh, I think so. Just it's uh, hard to explain the Trinity to her. She can't picture him being three in one. Uh, so that's where we're having problems. She wants well, here, to believe, here, okay, she here, let's, really... let, let, let's do this. Let's make it to sim- simplify things two in one. Okay. Now you say, what's, what are you talking about? Well, the Bible says when you get married, the two shall become one flesh. That's the idea. That's the design of God. Now, if you want to go back to the beginning, back in Genesis 1, the Bible says we are created in God's image. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. That's plural for God. Now, it isn't up to us to determine who God is, Zeus, Hermes, uh, Jupiter, you know, all the other. No, the Bible tells us who this Elohim is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, we're a triune being as well. We're a body, a mind, and a spirit. You can talk to an alcoholic that's not born again, and you can say, do you want to stop drinking? Mentally, they'll say, yes, I want to stop drinking. You'll ask him, do you know your drinking is killing you? They'll say, yes, I know my drinking is killing me. You got a buck that I can go buy a bottle? Their their fleshly desires are not in a line with their, their mind. But the Bible says, When we become born again, Jesus said in John 3, marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again to Nicodemus. Why? Because the spirit of man is dead. There is nothing within man that wants to live righteously. You need God's spirit in you. And when we become born again, the mind is now subject to the spirit of God, which helps us to stop drinking, that helps us get control of our lives. Not a 12-step program, a one-step program where we turn it over to God and God helps us. And I believe that's so important when you explain to her, well, mom, you're a triune being, you're a body, a mind, and if you're born again, a spirit. The Bible says the spirit of man died within man when he ate of the tree. He didn't fall down dead when he ate of the tree, but he ran and hid because he knew something was wrong inside of him. And man's been running from God ever since. So I would just invite you to explain to her how three can be one. She go, well, I don't understand that. Well, you got an egg. You have the shell, the white part, and the yolk. What part of that egg is not egg? It's all egg. Now, you can take away the shell. Uh, you won't have an egg anymore. You might have an omelet. But the thing is, it's all one. And without all three pieces being there, the bo- the shell, the yolk, and the white part, you don't have an egg. You have pieces of an egg, but you don't have a whole egg. I really believe it won't be till we get to heaven that we fully understand this, but I do believe that if you can explain it to her, that God wants to born his spirit into her, I believe that will help her. And Jesus, again, 
um, is the express image of the Father. He that has seen me has seen the Father, Jesus said. But we also remember that we find Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane to his Father in heaven. We find Jesus being baptized. This is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. A voice from heaven, God said. And the Holy Spirit in the form of, of a dove came down and rested upon him. So yeah, we do find it all the way through the Bible. But the thing that I believe is most important is she understands that she sinned, she's offended God, she needs salvation, and only the blood of Jesus covers that, not our works, not our church membership, not joining a church, not living a perfect, sinless life. What gets rid of our sins is our faith in Jesus. Hope that helps, Jim. Ask one more quick question. Uh, How would you tell if somebody is a false teacher? If they don't line up to what God's Word says, that's how you know. But what if they're using the Bible that's maybe not uh, using it correctly? Well, they all use the Bible. That's why the Bible says, "Study yourself to be uh, study yourself to to, uh, to be approved, uh, workman, not to be ashamed." The problem is today we need to know what God's Word says, and uh, when. Uh, somebody says something, what does the Bible say about that topic? That's why we like to be here on the program with you, is to tell you, hey, this is what the Bible says. We're not coming to you with a church dogma. Well, this is what our denomination believes. It doesn't matter what the Bible says about that topic. We're going to tell you what our denomination, that's dogma. I'm not interested in that. What does the Scripture say about it? And what does it say in balance? What's the other verses in question, or if you're talking about any particular topic, what does the other verses in the Bible say about that topic? If you only want to take the verses you like, you can wrangle and twist the scriptures into the stratosphere. John, any last thoughts? Oh, I agree with that 100%. I think, you know, the Bible tells us that in the last days, there are going to be many false teachers. And you can always tell, as Mike was alluding to, what are they saying in context? If they take a verse out of context to say something that it really doesn't say, and when you compare Scripture with Scripture and you find out that they contradict one another, you realize this is a false teacher, and there are many out there, and that's why it's important to be a student of the Word so that you won't be deceived. If you handle the truth, when that which is false reveals itself or shows up, you'll be able to identify it because the Spirit of God will put a red flag in your heart, just a check in your spirit. So that's why we need to compare Scripture with Scripture and not give heed to false teachers. Amen. So I hope that helps. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Stay online. I'll send you out some uh, uh, some books, some DVDs, and those little Mormon books I think will be most helpful to you, okay? That sounds good. Thank you. God bless you. Thanks so much for the call, Jim. Let's go to Cheryl, Meridian, Idaho, by Boise. Hi, and welcome. Hello, pastors. Hey, my mother asked this question of her pastor, um, and so I thought I'd get your take on it. If we are separated again from our pastors and our church bodies um, due to some world event, like something catastrophic or, you know, Biden decides that we can't all get together again, can we administer communion to ourselves and our families? Uh, I believe you can, and we're going to talk more about this topic as we are coming up on a break. Cheryl, we don't want you or anybody else to go. We're going to talk about communion. What does it mean? And you know, oftentimes, the head of the household will offer that communion to others within the family and friends there in your house. We'll talk more about this on the other side of the break. We'll be right CSN, the Christian Satellite Network.
Can you imagine getting your college degree and graduating debt-free? Sound crazy? Here's great news. Calvary Chapel University is offering a 25% tuition scholarship on your entire degree program. And with this unique scholarship, you have a realistic way to graduate debt-free. Calvary Chapel University is one of the most affordable Christian universities in the United States, and it's fully accredited and 100% online, so you can study whenever and wherever you want. Calvary Chapel University offers bachelor's degrees and master's in biblical studies with an emphasis in biblical counseling, Christian education, and more. And with solid teachers like Skip Heitzig and David Guzik involved, you can be sure you're getting sound doctrine. This scholarship offer is available for a limited time. Find out more at calvarychapeluniversity.edu. That's calvarychapeluniversity.edu. Apply today. All of us at CSN want to thank you for your financial support. And as the year comes to an end, we'd like you to consider making a special year-end donation above your regular gift. Your gift helps CSN to spread the good word around the world. The gift of hope and salvation through biblical teaching, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Be sure to give before midnight on December 31st so that you can receive the tax benefits for 2021. You can give now at csnradio.com or call 1-800-357-4226. We thank you in advance for any prayers and support that you're able to give at this important time. Again, to donate, visit csnradio.com or call 1-800-357-4226. And we want to welcome you back to part two of Jeremy Man and Answer here on this Thursday afternoon with John Randall. In California, in Southern California, San Clemente, I believe, and I'm your host, Mike Kessler, and uh, we're just going to go right back to the phones. We had on the line with us Cheryl, who was asking, who can administer communion? John, your thoughts? Well, I just think of the words of Jesus, Pastor Mike, when he said uh, to his disciples, his followers, as often as you take this bread and you drink this cup, do this in remembrance of me. It is a blessing to be able to partake of that Lord's Supper or communion, as we call it, together as the body of Christ, because there's this powerful uh, thing that takes place as we're all partaking of the same thing. It really unites us as the body of Christ. What you're taking, I'm receiving, and vice versa. In addition to that, it's a reminder of God's love for us, of the finished work of Christ. It reminds us of Christ's first coming, Paul the Apostle said in writing to the Corinthians, it also reminds us of the second coming. So it's a blessing to partake of it within the church family. But you know something? It's also a blessing to partake of it in your own family, in your own home, to take communion. I think what a blessing that would be as a family to sit down, explain to your children and your family members, this is why we take this. We remember Jesus. I think it's a great idea, Mike. 
Amen. And I had a buddy one time just come over to my office with a, some bread and some some uh, grape juice and said, hey, I want to have communion with you. So we sat down and had communion. So, no, I, I don't believe that is a exclusive right of a priest or a pastor or a Sunday school teacher or a deacon or an elder. I believe that is for anybody, as Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And it's the only physical thing that Jesus gave us to remember him by. No 8 by 10 glossy in the back of the church, no bronze statue in the city park. He said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And it's reflective of the Old Testament when the death angel passed over the people of Israel, those that had the blood on their door, the death angel had no power. Those who didn't, they lost the firstborn uh, in their household. So understanding that, um, no, I think, uh, Nancy, we can always, always remember our relationship with God is a personal relationship, not a uh, through a church or an organization. And uh, again, Jesus said, uh, where two or more are gathered, there he is in the midst. When there's not two or more, it's that personal kononia with God that we have. Hope that helps. It does. Thank you so much. Nancy, God bless you. And again, Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And um, he didn't say, but only if you're the, in the hierarchy of the church. Didn't say that. So good news for all of us. Nancy, stay in line. Or excuse me, Cheryl, stay in line. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs I think you'll enjoy. With that, we will go to Nancy in Idaho. Hi and welcome. Hello. I am so glad to get through to you. Um, how are you doing today? Well, we are good. We are good. So good. Me... we are good God too. Good. Uh, my question is this. Um, I was calling in reference to the Mormon situation as well. I have a friend who's getting sucked into it and believes that it is true and right. And, um, that her son, who is practicing, is a good Christian man, and she doesn't study the Word ever, nor does she read about Mormonism or the Bible, so she doesn't know the truth. So um, my question, I don't think that I'm in a position to approach her on it because she gets very defensive with me. So um, I was hoping I could get some information from you that might lead me um, to be able to give it to her and she could watch or listen to that information. Yeah, the same information, I, the little booklets, I'll get those out to you as well. Stay online afterwards and I'll get those out to you as well as the uh, DVDs and the and the other books as well. But it's important because the thing is, uh, Mormons really don't care whether you're a Christian or not. They're trying to convert you to Mormonism. When they come to your door, you can say, well, I, I, I'm a member of this church and I, I love Jesus. They don't care. They're, they're going to sit there and do their spiel with you, trying to convince you to become a Mormon. Here's what's wrong principally with Mormonism. Satan and Jesus' brother, that is a damnable heresy. Get that right. Now, there are heresies all the way through the Bible. We, we, we find their outline there for us. Uh, this is what a lot of the writings Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. Yeah, there's heresies. They're always going to be. But there are damnable heresies. 
And that's taking who Jesus Christ is and making non-effect. When you understand that the only name man can be saved by is Jesus Christ, and then to say that Satan and Jesus are brothers, that, my friend, is something of horrible consequence. That is another Jesus. And Paul warned about that. He said, if somebody comes preaching another Jesus to you, let him be accursed. Now, here's the problem. Satan is not Jesus's brother. Jesus is God. Satan is a created fallen angel. Get it right. It's not in the Book of Mormon either. Now, again, they come to your door. Have you heard this testimony? Of, 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 uh, another testimony of Jesus Christ. Uh, isn't it funny that even in their foundational book, it doesn't have all this crazy doctrine in it? I, if I was a Mormon, I would be appalled. Here is the very foundation of Mormon teaching. Satan and Jesus are brothers. You're going to be a God yourself someday. Um, uh, uh sealed in the temple. Uh, wearing Mormon undergarments to protect you. None of that's in the Book of Mormon. And yet that's their foundation. Those should be on the first couple of pages in the Book of Mormon, and they're not. So I would be greatly concerned, and I would be pretty angry when I really examine, rather than being mindless, oh yes, this is what I've been told by my church, this is what I believe. No. What... Wake up and read your own book. The Book of Mormon doesn't have this stuff in it. If it was so important, and it's what separates Mormonism from mainline Christianity, you would think it'd be on the first page in the Book of Mormon. None of it's in the entire Book of Mormon. That's major, major inconsistencies, friends. And if you're betting your eternity on something like that, you better be real sure. Make your make your calling and your election sure. That's what the Bible says. That means to go over it and over it and over it. Make sure you got it right. We don't go to heaven because I joined the temple. I, it doesn't matter whether you got married in the temple. You know, it has nothing to do. Not even in the Book of Mormon. Oh yeah. See, these are the problems. So, what new revelation are they going to come up with next month that you got to do? See, these are the problems you don't know because they keep adding, adding, adding to their religion, getting you out there working. And if you talk to a Mormon, you can ask him, say, hey, if you die today, would you go to heaven? And I've done this to many Mormons. Would you go to heaven? They go, well, I've done the best I can. Friends, that's a wrong answer. We go to heaven because Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. It's because he did the best he could do for us. All I did is put my hand up and say, count me in. That's it. We don't go to heaven because you and me are good. We don't go to heaven because we joined a church or we didn't do it. We put our faith, hope, and trust in him. John, your thoughts? Well, one of the problems with Mormonism, and we've alluded to it, Mike, is that it contradicts, modifies, and expands the Bible. It preaches a different Jesus. It's not the Jesus of the New Testament. And the deceptive part about Mormonism, I would say, for one thing, is they are usually extremely friendly. They're loving. They're kind people. But they're deceived by a false religion that distorts the nature of God, the person of Jesus Christ, and the means of salvation. They are sincere, 
but unfortunately they are sincerely wrong. And it's important to be able to discern the difference between what they say and what the Bible actually teaches so that we can give a sound apologetic when called upon to do so. Hope that helps. It does help a lot, um, just a lot, and I'm eager to get the information. And I have one other question for you. Um, I have a a family member, um, a sister, who raised her children in the church and through their teen years, and they were both baptized, the two sons, both baptized and, and asked Jesus to be their Savior. And throughout the years of maturity, they're now in their 40s, they have wandered so far from the truth. uh, Two of them, or one of them has become a practicing Buddhist, and the other one, um, I think, is more uh, agnostic than anything, but his wife practices witchcraft. (laughs) And I don't know how to... Uh, and they resent their mother's Christianity. They say sh- that Christianity is a cult. Mm. And I just wondered if you would have any ideas of anything that I could present to my precious nephews that would show them the truth um, in a short, precise way of what they're doing, because they're not honoring their mother and they're breaking her heart. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll send you uh, God of Wonders, which I think is really good. I think it's done It's done along the lines of National Geographic, uh, some presentation. Uh, very factual. I think that would be very, very good for them. Um, and I'll send you all that in a package. But John, any last thoughts? Well, you know, I was thinking, uh, Mike, that concerning where these two young men are at is the Bible says their minds have been blinded by the God of this age who do not believe. And I think what we need to do is we need to pray for them and that they would come back. If they really belong to Jesus, he has ways of bringing people back to himself. In fact, I'm so thankful that Luke chapter 15 is in the Bible. The story of the prodigal son is there for a reason. God has ways of humbling people, bringing them to the end of themselves. And so what I would encourage you to do is pray. There is power in prayer. Any of our listeners today who have, and we all do, have people who are far from the Lord, knew the Lord at one time. We need to pray that the Lord would draw them back to salvation. And so that's what we're going to be doing. And maybe we should do that even today. Yeah, let's do that. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We pray for Nancy's family. Uh, We pray for this woman and her kids. We just ask you that your Holy Spirit would come upon them, Father, that they would become dissatisfied where they're at in their relationship with, Lord, the, the ideas and the philosophies of this world. And, Lord, that you would call them home. And so we ask you now that you would just bind Satan from their minds, from their eyes, that they would see the great opportunity that they have to have their sins forgiven, spend eternity with you, not by works, but Lord, because of your love. In Jesus' name, Mm. amen. Amen. Stay on the line, Nancy. I'll send you out some books, some DVDs for you and your family, okay? Oh, thank you so much, and God bless the work you do. Thank you. Well, Nancy, God bless you too, and we'll look for God to do a miracle here in this situation. Remember, God is a God of miracles. Mm-hmm. Things that people think, oh, well, God can never do that, or, you know, they're, that, they're beyond hope. Oh, no, 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 no. People thought Paul the Apostle was beyond hope when he was Saul going around killing Christians. Mm-hmm. And he became one of the 
best New Testament theologians that we have, um, uh, understanding how, how the laws of the Old Testament, the things of the Old Testament pertain to Christ. And so stay in line. We'll get that out to you. I know you'll be blessed. Get those into their hands. And by the way, watch them before you distribute them. Lend them out. Get them back. Lend them out. That's the way we do it. Stay in line. We'll get you fixed up. Let's go to Hilton, Tallahassee, Florida. Hi, welcome. Hello, pastors. Could you hear me? Yes, we can. Hi, welcome. Hi there. Um, my question is um, the last verse in Revelation 20, where it says, and those not found written in the book of life were cast into the lake of fire. And I called you a couple of months ago about it, and I was saying, well, then that infers that there are people that are written in the book of life there. And then I was saying that these are the people that have not heard the gospel before they were resurrected. In other words, the people in deepest, darkest Africa, the quote-unquote pygmies and et cetera, and that these people are judged according to Romans chapter 2 and... You and I almost agreed, except for you said, according to John 3.16, they have to come through Jesus to be saved, which is true. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Well, curiously, um, or providentially speaking, as I would like to believe, uh, John Five twenty-two says that the Father has committed all judgment to the Son. Therefore, Jesus is the judge at the great white throne judgment, and they do go through Jesus at the great white throne judgment to be saved, some of them, and they are judged according to Romans chapter 2, or whether they have the faith of Abraham in their, if they have in their conscience what they were doing if they knew it was right or wrong at the time by the conscience that God had given them, all of us, from the time we were born. Well, first of all, I I believe that when you said whose names are not written in the Book of Life, the reason they're written in the Book of Life is because you've asked God to write it in there when you become born again. If everybody's name is in the Book of Life, or even those that aren't, that would presuppose that man does not have original sin. If you're already in the book of life, um, you have assumed that original sin does not exist. And that is not what the Scripture teaches. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. So I believe your name is written in the book of life when you become born again. Now, just because God knows the beginning to the end, Revelation chapter 22, Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, just because he knows who ultimately will accept him and those who don't, doesn't mean that all of people on this earth did not have and does not have the right uh, to choose him or to reject him. Just because God knows what choices we make does not stop us from making those choices. And I, I think to assume that... uh uh, everybody's name is in the book of life or just some people's name is in the book of life, random willy nilly. No, I don't believe that at all. I believe it's because you've asked God to give you that eternal life. 
The Bible clearly tells us not everybody's name is written in the book of life, but that's based upon God's foreknowledge, not upon our living each day. Now, again, because you, whatever you come across in the scripture, well, they were predestinated or to whom God foreknew. That's all speaking about God's infinite wisdom from Alpha and Omega beginning and the end. God does not learn. When the Bible gives us the Great Commission, go preach the gospel to every creature. It does not say just the predestinated ones or those whose names are in the book of life. It doesn't say that. To every person. We find, for God so loved the world, not just the predestinated ones, not just the ones who are in the book of life. For God so loved the world. And then what's even bigger, whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible doesn't have contradictions in it. So we have to then recognize God's foreknowledge, Alpha and Omega, just because he knows the decisions we all make does not mean we don't have the freedom to make those decisions, even though God ultimately knows what decisions we made. John, your thoughts? Well, I think it's it, it's a presumption that if a person truly believes what can be known about God, basically it sounds like through general revelation is what you're suggesting, that God will judge the person based on that faith and allow that per- person entrance into heaven. Here's the problem with that. The scripture declares in uh, John chapter 3, verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Now you go on, you think about Romans chapter 1, where it says, although they knew God, this is creation, the general revelation of God revealed in creation, although they knew God, they didn't honor God. They, they did not give him glory. They became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were dark, and claiming to be wise, they became as fools. So basically what you have there is, is um, they were already condemned. You have to come. There is no other way to come except through Jesus Christ. And to say that somehow the white throne judgment is for people who are don't come through Jesus. That that's the judgment for the non-believer. The bema seat judgment that Paul speaks of is for the believer. And I think sometimes we want to d- debate. Well, can they make it? Listen, salvation. Who gets in and who doesn't isn't up to us to decide. Jesus is the judge, but to assume uh, what you're presenting in light of general revelation, I think that that's a stretch in light of others, other passages of Scripture that we could compare that to. Hope that helps. Hello? Yes, I hope that helps. Hello? Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Yes, that uh, Jesus absolves them at the great white throne judgment, and that does not help people like Abraham— None of what you said. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. When a- Abraham died, as well as all those in the Old Testament died outside of faith, went to a place, uh, those that died in faith went to a place called Abraham's bosom. Jesus spoke explicitly of this. Those that believed in, in God, in Yahweh, and they went to this place waiting the supreme sacrifice, whereas the bull, blood of bulls and goats could never remove the sin of man. It could cover it, but it could not remove it. And God will not be in the presence of sin. So we know that it had to have a supreme sacrifice to remove that. That's why the Bible says when Christ died, he preached to those in captivity. He preached to those in Abraham's bosom, and he led captivity captive. He took them out of there because the supreme sacrifice had been made. Just to say, well, I believe in God, I believe in a a cosmic ooze, well, that's going to be attributed to me as salvation on the great white throne judgment. No, no, no. That's not what the Bible says at all. 
There's only one name under heaven man can be saved by, and that's Jesus Christ. But here's the good news. The Bible says, if you seek me, you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. I believe those who really endeavor, not religion, not seeking religion, but seeking God's truth. Who is he? Why am I here? I believe just as God uh, revealed himself to Abraham, just as God revealed himself uh, now through uh, Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit to Saul, then became the Apostle Paul, I believe it's very clear he became, God will reach out to anyone that will call out to him. If a person is settled in religion, um, I'm cool, you're cool, we're all cool, let's just groove together. I think you got real problems. But there is no, the, the, the Bible very clearly says that there's only one name under heaven man can be saved. And the idea that everybody is saved in the end, false doctrine. The idea that being a good person will get your name in the book of life, false doctrine. We don't find that. There's only one name under heaven that man can be saved. Otherwise, this is the big problem. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he was crucified, he said, Father, if there's any other way man can be saved, let this cup pass from me. The cup was dying on a cross, an excruciating, most torturous death invented. He said, if there's any other way man can be saved, let this cup pass from me. And Jesus went ahead and died on the cross. Why? There was no other way. Just being a good person, just kind of having a cosmic ooze, kind of believing about some kind of God that's out there. Well, then Jesus wouldn't have to die on the cross. If being a really good person would have got you to heaven, Jesus wouldn't have to die on the cross. If being a moral person would have got you to heaven, Jesus wouldn't have had to die on the cross. You see, this is the problem. Jesus said, if there's any other way, Man can be saved. Let this cup pass from me. Then Jesus could have just stopped right there and said, okay, I don't have to die on the cross, but you got to be a really good civitan. You got to be a really good, uh, 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 religious person. You got to be a really person just seeking after, uh, uh, the cosmic ooze. Didn't say that. And so I believe this is why there's a real problem here. The Bible says, he said to Nicodemus, a religious leader of the day, John 3, marvel not that I say to you, Nicodemus, religious hierarchy person, you must be born again. Nicodemus scratches his head. Do I got to get back in my mom or how does this work? Well, what's going on here? No, just as you had a natural birth, the water broke, out you come, your birthday. You have a spiritual birthday where you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. John, any last thoughts? I would say general revelation, which is what we're talking about here, can be seen as a universal call for people to acknowledge God's existence. But general revelation by itself is not enough to lead a person to salvation in Christ. Why go out and preach the gospel to all the world if you could just get there without needing to hear the gospel. Jesus gave us the great commission, not the great suggestion, to go into all the world. And so the gospel is going out. Furthermore, the Bible talks about the fact that in the last days, once the church is taken, there's going to be angels going back and forth, flying back and forth, declaring the everlasting gospel. People will have an opportunity to hear the message of Jesus Christ. And so it's not enough to just have general revelation. People need the gospel, and they come through Christ alone. That's what saves And so it's important. That's why we were given the commission, Mike, to go out and preach the gospel or else there's no need. 
Yeah, that, and so we have to be very mindful of all the scriptures that talk about this. And to just say, well, a person has a consciousness of God, he's going to get his name in the book of life, and Jesus is a judge, therefore Jesus is going to kind of wink at him and say, okay, buddy, you can slip in. Oh, no, 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 not at all. Jesus comes back during the, the millennial reign as a judge, and then the Bible says everybody stands before the great white throne judgment, gives account of their life. And I believe, again, that is so important in the days that we live in. We need to understand how serious this life is, and everybody living today ministry, is determining what position is program. We're out of time. Hey, thanks so much, uh, John, for being on. Look forward to being back with you. God bless you all. Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 